my god. I like... Ah! Ah! I had a cup of coffee, if you couldn't tell. <laughs> now, and now I'm having a glass of wine and I just like don't know how to feel about life. Hello, all, and welcome back to the Red Rum and Red Wine podcast. This is your host, Kristen. I feel like I just messed that up, but it's fine. We're moving along. You just sound totally like, hey. not scripted, but like radio voice on. <laughs> radio voice on coffee engaged. Oh, my God. I just had a cup right before this. And yeah, it's 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 kicking in. <laughs> Tell me not to drink coffee at 6 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me not to record this episode the day before it has to be posted. <laughs> it needs to be edited, edited in five and posted. <laughs> <laughs> yes, if you are listening to this on Tuesday morning, like, please go give me a pat on my dead ass asleep back because, wow, I can't believe I actually got it out here. <laughs> Shit. We did it, hopefully. We did it, hopefully. <laughs> I kind of wanted wine, like, real bad tonight, but I already had one mimosa, and I was like, <sighs> my mom opened white a, with the white. My, <laughs> my, <laughs> my mom opened this bottle of wine uh, right before, or she opened it yesterday, and for whatever fucking reason, I didn't have a glass, uh, so now I'm oh. drinking her remains. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm drinking her remains. I'm drinking her <laughs> remains and it tastes I, all right. I almost picked out a vampire case to do for my next story because um, like after hearing your story last week, I just so happened to watch an episode on, you know, like on something that involved vampirism. And then I was like, you know what? Like I'd love to surprise Kristen with this, but I also don't want to do uh like back-to-back vampire stories so keep it in the archives for like next week when everyone forgets about it yeah i probably already forgot about it oh god <laughs> i didn't write it down oh but it's god i recently watched history do, do screenshots that's what i do when i find something i just take a screenshot of it and then i forget about it but then i go back to my photos and that's how i remember <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, I, I I watched it on the actual TV, and so I was like, okay, yeah, I'll come back to this, and just never go back. <laughs> I'll just Google search the case about those people drinking blood out of each other's arms. Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> that ought to do it. That's called you need a therapist. <laughs> <sighs> okay, you got to say your name. Oh, <laughs> you never said your name. <laughs> I also never stopped talking, so that's a little bit of my fault. I like I swear I did. Maybe it was in my head. No, it's okay. It's and okay. And hello. Sarah is in your presence. There she is. You're welcome. Hi. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a it's, it's one of those days, you know? It's Monday. It is Monday. Oh, the worst of all days. Can't. 
which also involves another case I might do. Oh, well, speaking of, I know, so like, I know that I said um, I was going to do a military case this round, or like, so for those who aren't in our text thread, none of y'all, I asked (laughs) Sarah what topic she wanted me to talk about, and she had picked military, and... I'm not doing it, but uh, okay. I but also after I said that, I was like, oh, I hope she's not doing the military case. Military case I want to do. Ooh, but I don't know. Who knows? Well, because you said army, and I was like, uh oh. Oh, I don't really know what branch it was. To be honest, oh. I just always say army. You, you always army. say army. I always say army instead of military. I know. It's okay. It's okay. I'll learn one day. Don't come for me. But I so I'm going to do it. I promise it's coming next week. But when I started to read the details of it, um, it's a lot to take in. It, oh. It's a lot to read, even for me as a woman reading this case. I needed to step back. I needed to take a oh. moment. I needed something a little bit more lighthearted. So that will come. Oh, you weren't going to do the Vanessa Guillen one, were you? No, I wasn't. Oh, okay. No. It's not that I was equally either. horrifying. I think it's but old. No, I, it's okay. it'll come next week. So be prepared for that one. Ugh, okay. It's it's a fucking doozy. So yeah, I I picked something a little bit more lighthearted. I just needed a little break, though it's not lighthearted in the sense that the story is light or hearted. But it's a survival story. So I mean, like, yay, yay, yay. yeah. It's a, it's a little bit better, but uh, no, yeah. It's but there's always shit involved you know me always there's always a storm before the rainbow and this is like the fucking biggest storm you could it's like a fucking horror movie all of them are essentially but this one is literally the plot for a horror movie 96 days until halloween (gasps) i don't know if that's the exact number i'm guessing off of a tweet i saw maybe yesterday so but yeah oh nice but yeah, so the bubbly. Sorry, <laughs> you're good. So for today's case, I am going to be talking about the what's a good word? The miraculous, the amazing, the heroic survival story of Carrie Swenson. Ooh, ooh! Do I know this case or do I not? So it's, I was going to say, do I know it or do I? I you may. It's actually. <laughs> pretty like there are a lot of resources out there about this case and there was a 1987 made for tv movie uh starring tracy Pullen, who they just like did a recreation mo- movie of it and then there was also an episode of investigation discoveries tv show your worst nightmare which is how i first heard of the case and it's like if you haven't heard watched your worst nightmare i think it's on like hulu but honestly really good for a reenactment show i it, don't come oh. for me if it's not in your opinion but i enjoyed it so Kristen's cinematic opinions yes. are valid here i give okay? it like a i give it like a four three and a half four star like it's good <laughs> i enjoy it out of ten or no out or of five, five. <laughs> out of five <laughs> If you have a glass yeah, of wine, yeah, they don't do ten stars for that crap. Yeah. Okay. If you have a glass of wine, it definitely hits up to the four mark. But yeah, it, it's a mm. pretty good show, so I definitely recommend it. But of course, you know me; it's fucking Reddit that brought this case back up into my memory. So thank you, wonderful variation, for doing an extremely, extremely detailed account of this case on the True Crime Forum on Reddit. Um, 
yeah just like brought me all back and I was like holy shit I remember this and then I was like wow I have to tell you about it because if you don't know it you need to know it it's insane yay that's how I feel about my next one yeah just that's how I feel about all of, all of them honestly <laughs> I, I won't like want to tell you so bad but I have to wait it's the hardest thing anyways ah so our crime starts on a really hot afternoon in Madison Range Montana on July 15th of 1984 so there is a woman named Carrie Swenson, and she is running alone in the dry heat of Montana, and she's basically going through Montana environments. <laughs> like, I don't know. For those who don't know, it's a lot of, like, mountains, uh, like, trees, Fields, forest. There, It's, like, yeah. 20 miles away from Yellowstone National Park. So it's, okay. it's think Yellowstone National Park, and that's it. It's just, like, an expansion yeah. of it. So... Homegirl ran like three to six miles, ten kilometers, every day. Okay, Almost you every go, day. girl. Yeah. Because wow, Ugh. I can't. Dude, even... that determination and uh, willingness and dedication to her running probably played a huge role in her survival. Oh, for sure. But I mean, like, so she didn't run simply because she loved running. Like, she's not that much of a freak. But you see, when she wasn't spending her time waitressing at the Lone Mountain Ranch, she was actually training as a biathlete major. (gasps) Biathlon. Athlete. Whatever. Biathlon. (laughs) The biathlon. So... Is that where you, like bike and run or is that where you swim and run that's a triathlon well no a triathlon is running Running, swimming swimming. and biking i think oh i don't know maybe it's either or i don't know know. i don't know which one that's named but biathlon is essentially i i say it down below but it's basically where you ski like miles and then you get your gun and you shoot at the target Like, we've seen that. I've seen it in the Olympics. But it's like they ski however many miles. And then there's a point at the, like, halfway mark where you have to shoot targets. And, of course, after, like, skiing three miles, you're exhausted. So you're having to, like, control your breathing and really be able to make sure that you can get your mark. Yeah. So it's a lot of breath, like, controlling and your heart and all that shit. So so she wasn't, okay. Like, major, like, major, major. Like, this is not a... um, like small sport this is a very big no yeah yeah. I mean when I when I shot a gun for the first time like a month and a half ago it was a big gun granted but I'm frail and I don't do cardio yeah so even just holding it up and they use like rifle (laughs) to get a steady shot I don't know what gun for sure they use but it's like a long rifle a rifle yeah Yeah, I can send you a photo of her like her uh actual photo I keep wanting to say olympics so the Olympics are a little misogynist back then, so this actually wasn't a sport for women in the Olympics, and it wouldn't be while Carrie was competing, and it wouldn't happen until, like, late 80s or 90s or something like that. Like, I think in the 90s it mm-hmm. actually became an Olympic sport for women, mm-hmm. but it, yeah. So either way, I mean, like, but she was pretty good at this sport that she was doing, so just four months earlier, cool. Carrie had actually placed fifth at the World Champion Biathlon at Cheminix and was actually picked to race the middle leg of the three-by-five-kilometer relay. She had also recently graduated with an honors degree in microbiology from MSU, so... Okay. Brains and bronze. Very like, wide variety of yes, interests. She, I like it. She does fucking everything. 
she her smart and healthy interests i should say yeah (laughs) not like ours just fucking murder and variety of interests but it involves alcohol murder (laughs) (laughs) weird things you know normal (laughs) stuff her performance at the chimnix race or however you say that was actually like one of the best done by an american biathlete in the post-war international competition so like she did the best out of any american woman like she fucking just or american in general usa usa (laughs) so one of her close friends and teammates would talk about the struggles of being a woman in the sport because obviously yeah fun fact not so fun fact so it was available to men in the olympics in the 1950s uh, but it wouldn't be accessible until like way later for women like 30, 40 years Yeah, like later. literally over 30 years later. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Crazy. So there's actually an amazing podcast, 30 for 30 by ESPN, that brings Carrie on and actually talks about her experience. I am so sorry. Hold on. Yeah, so ESPN actually has a podcast, the 30 for 30, or I think like ESPN makes it, whatever. It's a 30 for 30 podcast. I would... 100%, 100,000% recommend checking it out. Um, they actually bring Carrie on and give her her first-hand account. But in it, like you had pretty much, uh, like you had said earlier, she described how important breathing is and how it, she would do like a big inhale and then go like, and then line up and shoot her shot. And it was really the challenge of finding your breathing while doing such a high cardio intense sport that she really right. fell in love with. Oh. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so wow. Yeah. Just like I I want her brain to be implanted into my brain so I could have that motivation. Or well, her sh- lungs. I'll take her lungs. Oh. <laughs> Imagine all the joints you could smoke with her lungs. <laughs> But um, to ruin them all over, I'd ruin them in five months. (laughs) Give me some time. I can do it. I promise you. So, yeah, she was a fucking badass, a real athletic woman. She loved the pursuit of the sport. She loved the feeling that it gave her. And she would run every day to train. I mean, she was like any Olympic trainer or like a world champion trainer. She was very dedicated to what she did and had a very like tough training regimen. But the thing about the Madison Range that she was running in is that when I say hiking trails, it's not the hiking trails that, like, you and I hiked in San Antonio. (laughs) It's literally paved, (laughs) paved, like, easy, not that hard to climb. This is, like, actual, you got to watch where you're going or you're going to trip over something, break a limb, and be stuck out in the middle of nowhere. Um, just mm. last summer, there had actually been a man that had been dragged from his tent and eaten by a grizzly bear. <laughs> so it's uh, it it's not your casual hiking trail, to say the least. But of course, this did not fucking deter the badass that Carrie was. So in fact, when the her boss, local Bob Shap, who was the owner of the Lone Mountain Ranch where she worked at, had told her like oh hey watch out there's actually a grizzly bear in the area carrie actually just was like oh where is it i would actually love to see one and decided that that would be the trail that she would run that day which oh my i'm like that is a little bit on the dangerous side i understand that that you're a thrill seeker but that is a (laughs) whoa (laughs) but she she 
the most Montana. You said Montana, yeah, right? Yeah, Montana. Mon- that is like the most Montanian thing I've ever yeah. heard. She's like, I've never seen a grizzly. Oh, you saw a bear? Where? I'm going to go run and see what's one. That, what's that one meme I'm thinking about? It's like, oi, look at that alligator over there. I'm going to touch it. <laughs> the Steve Irwin thing? No. Maybe I'd recognize it if I saw it. <laughs> it's just like they see the most dangerous animals and he's like, I'm going to go poke it. <laughs> That's like how I imagine her being. She's like, sees the bear and she's like, oh my God, I'm going to go pet it. <laughs> yeah. And it would totally let her because that's just how much of a badass she is. So even though she was technically considered a native to Montana, Carrie was actually born in Philadelphia to parents Bob Swenson and Janet Swenson. So Bob was a college professor and he would actually become the chairman of the Montana State University Physics Department. And Janet Swenson was a nurse. So both really smart parents. So once Bob ended up getting the chairman position, they would move back to his hometown in Bozeman, Montana, when Carrie was eight. And that's when she really picked up cross-country skiing. And she would just really learn to love biathlon. And that's like how she grew into the sport and how she found her passion. Wow. So it was running along this trail in Madison Range when she actually reaches a clearing that opens up onto like a beautiful blue lake. And even though she's really trying to focus on like making sure that she's not tripping over whatever she's running over, she does become aware that, hey, there's like a fisherman over on the other side of the lake. But it's pretty common at that time. Like, obviously, it's a lake. There are fish in there. Like, you're in the wilderness. People love fishing. So she didn't really think too much of it and was continuing her run. But once she got closer, probably no more than, like, 10 feet away from her, she noticed not one, but actually two men. Oh. And at this point, Carrie's, like, automatically she knew as soon as she saw both of them, she's like, something's up. Like, sirens going off in her head, blaring, like, this isn't a fucking grizzly bear. This is a thousand times worse. Like, what? And she is an aware individual. I love it. Yeah. So the older one was there were two men there was an older one who had a matted gray beard and a greasy cowboy hat and he was standing right on the trail i'm sorry matted beard gave me goosebumps disgusting like how how does a beard get matted that is like the one easiest thing you have that you can brush just fingers just finger brush (laughs) like what the hell And then there would be a younger guy, like, five feet away, like, kind of off the trail line that she kind of noticed. She would say that neither of them looked like the typical fishermen that you would run into Big Sky, which is, like, the area, the Montana area that they're at. Yeah. Obviously cautious of these two men in front of her, Carrie breaks her stride, and that's when she notices that there are two rifles leaning against the tree where the men's pack lay, which it's not abnormal because, again, this is the forest the wilderness whatever yeah. uh, but I think it was weird for them to be carrying that because I don't think it was hunting season when they were doing this so it, it right. adds yeah right because you said it was in July July yeah like hot That's, hot yeah. no really and you, you shouldn't even be fishing I, I don't know what time of day this is but unless it's early morning or like evening I think you're not really going to have much luck fishing during the day with that kind of heat. Yeah. Because fish will go to the don't cooler. Like yeah. yeah. So it it's just like all coming across so, so, so wrong. It's like, 
Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Like, ugh. So shaky and dry mouthed because she was like into a six mile run. I don't know how many miles she was in, but she was pretty close to finishing her run. She would attempt to try and just like normally conversate with them. So she would go, hi, uh, is this the trail to Jack Creek? Like trying to, I guess, gauge how are they going to react? Are they here to harm me? Like what's going on? The older man would reply, yeah, this is Jack Creek, all right. But as soon as Carrie would blurt out thanks and just try to, like, brush past them, the older man would seize both of her wrists as soon as she got close enough. Oh, my God. Well, because also, if you ask that, it makes you seem lost. But it's just, like, what I don't know what the right thing would have been in the situation. But then even if they're standing in your way. He still would have, like... (laughs) grabbed her it's just like and then if you would have turned around they had rifles so it's just right oh i really it's so easy to say like oh we should do this but in the moment like you just never know how you're gonna exactly act. like it's that flight or flight whatever response it's just flight or flight. yeah you just had like no idea me i would curl up in a ball and cry because i yeah this is not me judging her um actions i just well no you always think what if because like what is the right thing to do in that situation like fucking apparently nothing yeah i i don't think there was one in this like these two guys were just literally insane but still never pretend to be lost yeah because that's when people take advantage of you exactly very good point basically as soon as he grabs her wrist like obviously she's like what are you doing please let me go like she would try like I have a husband I have a boyfriend he's coming right up on here or he's coming up here shortly like please just you need to let me go the older man would basically say no we're not gonna let you go uh you're a beautiful woman and we just want to take you up in the mountains for some conversation she of conversation (laughs) yeah like uh. obviously as soon she's like nope nope what i just the had fuck? to try to i mean i just tried to have conversation with you yeah it didn't not. it didn't work out that well so like freaking out she's like tries her best i she tries to like find skin for her to him her to bite she's trying her hardest to fight back and kind of like escape from these guys because she knows i need to escape otherwise like something bad is going to happen but it was at that time where i guess like fed up with her antics the oldest man would raise his fist and strike Carrie in the left temple, like a solid hit Ugh. to her head. Now, this is like the this is the first time that Carrie has ever been struck in her life in like a violent manner. You know, like if you're not yeah. expect if you've never been punched, you don't know that feeling. So obviously, she was super stunned and wasn't expecting it. And yeah, it hurts. Not yeah, that I know. Yeah. So the men took advantage of this and basically bound her they would tie her to the pack of the youngest uh boy or the youngest man that was there and would basically say like okay you're you're coming with us we want you to come up in the mountains for a few days and maybe eventually you'll want to live with us and become a woman for my son and he pointed to the younger man holy shit mm-hmm. Ew. yeah Ugh. I can't, like, I can't believe that I'm actually reading this, that this actually happened. It's insane. Ugh. I have constant shivers, like, waving throughout my body. Mm-hmm. Obviously, left with no choice, Carrie 
had to follow them. Like there was really nothing she would do, she could do about it. So they would actually pass a pine thicket that was nearly 200 yards away. And on that thicket, the bark had actually been cut and left with an ominous marker. And on that marker, it read, Dan and Don Nichols live in these mountains, July 14th, 1984. So a little bit about these two men, because if you didn't get the hint, they are Dan and Don Nichols. Um, <laughs> Man, I know. They did not live what you would call a conventional pattern of life. Uh, you know, telling from the tree bark, I kind of assume that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so Don, the oldest man, had originally come from Norris, which is a small crossroads community just north of Ennis in Montana. So his family had been misplaced by the Dust Bowl and Don's father, Pat, and his mother, Maggie, had to end up moving. And I guess that's when they made it over to Montana. So his father, Pat, was a miner. And he would actually be described as a pretty friendly and generous guy who loved to hunt and fish. And as long as he wasn't drinking down at the local saloon, though, because uh, he, he had a bit of a drinking problem. Yeah, just, just a little yeah. bit. Just a little bit. Hey, I think I saw him there. Well, yeah. Back in the 80s. <laughs> On my many a few nights. Yeah. Went back in the 80s. His drinking problem would get to the point where when Don was six... Don't drink and drive, kids. His dad would be driving home from a party. People would describe him drunk as a lord. And Pat would actually miss a curve on Norris Hill and slam his car into the ravine. Now, oh. this would kill him instantly. And it wouldn't kill anyone else in the car, though it, they were obviously injured. Um, but I don't think it was anything serious or anything that would affect them for the rest of their lives. His mother, Maggie, would soon remarry when Don was eight to his stepfather, Steve Engelman. Now, Steve, I guess, would kind of, like, be the character to bring on all the troubles in Don's life, supposedly. So some would describe the stepfather as a stingy kind of guy who would take the last egg in the house off the dinner table and eat it himself. While <laughs> others would say that he was a God-fearing man who was hardworking and spent his free time in church, which I have my thoughts about those people, but... Yeah, I could see <laughs> how they could maybe both tie into each other, you know? Yeah. So, <laughs> it was soon after marrying this man that Don showed uh, troubles of adjusting, and though he did really well in school, he really hated authority, and they think that this hate for authority came from him hating his stepdad yeah so he would actually join the navy after high school but mm. it would be this hatred for authority that would actually end up like him just saying i fucking i can't do this i'm not gonna listen to you i don't want to do this bye peace and he leaves so when he leaves he ends up marrying a girl named verdina i believe sorry in west mm. virginia and this would be the future mother to his son, Danny. So Danny was oh. born in the mid-60s, and this is, Danny is the younger gentleman that's with him. Yeah. Um, so he was born in the mid-60s, but no one could quite pinpoint where he was born. <laughs> like, if if you haven't kind of guessed, um, Don has a real big thing with, like, um, the government 
conspiracies and he's authority authority he's like so authority to the max literally he's like i don't want to work in this rich man's rotten system like he literally wants to be a wild man like just live in the woods and do nothing Uh, a fucking mountain man yeah so after the birth of their son they would move back to montana and he would spend a few months making money and then he would quit that job and then go live in the mountains by himself for a couple of months and then when he ran out of money he would come back and he would repeat that cycle. Okay. Kind of sounds like my dad. Mm. Just kidding. <laughs> well, so obviously his wife would divorce him. <laughs> and Okay, well, I don't know. Not so obvious because you never know what ladies will put up oh, with. Oh, yeah, I guess. I'd say these days, but those days as well, even more because... Oh, yeah. I guess divorce wasn't as common back then. Well, either way, she was like, I'm fed up with your mountain shit. We're not doing this. So Dan was just six when they got divorced. Um, and they would kind of have, like, custody issues after that. Like, Don would want to take Dan into the mountains for long periods of time. And, I want Dan to live in the woods. Yeah, and his wife would be like, um, where's our kid? Like, he can't live in the mountains with you. You actually, like, need to bring him back. This is the story of my father and my brother. <laughs> Okay, I'm, like, actually terrified now. As long as they don't do this, hey, they can do whatever they want. <laughs> Just a bit Yeah, much. no, I don't think they were into, um... Kidnapping and assault. Harm in, <laughs> unless it was towards themselves. <laughs> Love that. Love that. I, I, I too, do that. <laughs> uh, I am my father's daughter. I, I am my father's daughter. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> um... So it, oh my God, so fucking creepy. So it was actually like when Dan came back from one of his visits with his dad, where there was just an incident that I read where I think the wife ended up like dating someone or remarried, whatever. There was some guy there and he was using binoculars and Dan would come up to him as a child and be like, oh, can I see those people watchers? I can't imagine having a child being like, oh, can I? I'm like, where'd you learn that? It's like teaching your kid a pair of scissors is like, oh, give me those cutter things. Give me those. Give me those meat cutters. Well, I don't. I do use scissors to cut meat. but like, Give me those flesh. Maybe a bad Human flesh cutters. It's okay. You know, (laughs) moving along. Anyways. (laughs) But yeah, it was just like, I I can't imagine. So Don is pretty much like uh, instilling these very unhealthy, I would say, habits in Dan to pretty much like stalk people. And uh, I get into it a little bit later, but he also teaches him how to like fucking steal and shit. So Uh, just like not a great, great dad award right there. Teaching your kid to be a solid, solid member of society. Dan, the son, had actually met an older woman in his junior year of high school. And I mean, like, older, older, like, divorced older woman. Yeah. And started an affair with her, pretty much. An affair because she was married or an affair because she was, like, older and he was underage? A child. Yeah. He was a high school junior and um, I don't think... Like at an age where he would be able to consent to a relationship with like a thirty to forty year old woman. 
his dad would give him money. I oh, I kind of forget because I didn't write it down, but I think he would give him money to have like a payphone or something like that. Like this is the 80s. You don't have cell phones, but I think like maybe pagers existed. I don't know. But either way, his dad, Don, found out that Dan was essentially using money to like contact this woman mm. and basically was having a relationship with her. And he was pissed he was not happy about it at all and supposedly like beat the shit out of dan though it wasn't confirmed like right. supposedly that's what happened 80s, and so, like yeah, yeah and he basically said like don't ever fucking talk to her again don't ever see her again don't ever talk to her again well shit yeah did you listen pretty much because shortly after this like the rumors would go on that they basically went off into the woods together and started living off grid of course yeah which it's so when i call them like mountain men or wild men or whatever like these aren't they're not living off grid they're not fucking living off the land and being whatever mountain men like they're being assholes they will go on ranches and steal shit like they'll steal food they'll steal supplies so like they don't know how to live off the land so they essentially steal whatever they need to survive and And that's the money to buy and so yeah yeah, and they call that living off of the land so i'm like what okay whatever well technically they may be right yeah I guess. <laughs> this, their guidelines Corporate are Corporate America different. does it every day. Why can't we? <laughs> I, I, I don't know how long they had been in the woods exactly before they grabbed Carrie or kidnapped Carrie, but I they had been out there for some time. So they were fairly familiar with the land and the layout. They, I even had read that they had camps set along like certain uh, areas of the woods where they would go like for winter or they would go for summer and they would like migrate and move along and so they were just very in the woods then right. <laughs> i don't know they were fucking woodsmen but they were asshole they were woodsmen. Woodmen, woodsmen nomads yeah except they didn't do any nomad shit because they just stole everything i'm like what the fuck I think Don came to the realization when he found out that Dan was talking to that older woman that like in order for my son to stay with me in the woods forever, like I want him to, I need to find him a woman. And so that's basically when they came up with the idea that we're going to take a girl into the woods and she's going to get used to us and we're going to have her live with us. And that's essentially when Carrie came into their plans. And it was, so Carrie, I believe was 22 when this happened. They, when they kidnapped her, they would ask her, oh, how old are you? And when she said 22, (laughs) Don actually kind of got like a a look on his face. He was like, oh, like you're not old enough because my son likes older women. And she had even said like, if you don't, if you want an older woman, like just let me go. I like, I just let me go it's fine like I won't tell just let me go and he would be like no you're you're good enough oh my god yeah older I know they even had uh told her that they tried capturing her a few days earlier when she was out on the lake like they had first saw her out on the lake and they were like cool we're gonna go snag her right now but then they had noticed that someone was actually with her so they decided to wait it out so they had been kind of 
like not stalk. Well, yeah, they had been pretty much yeah. stalking her Watching. and like trying to wait for an yeah opportune moment. But I mean, that's what they did in their fun time. Pretty much is like they would stalk people. They would go on people's ranches and like look is at what they're doing. Viewers. Yeah, people. It's just like so fucking weird. I can't with these people. As soon as they take Carrie, she, of course, like I said, was trying everything in the book to try and get these men to let her go. I have a husband. He's going to be searching for me. And they would go, no, I see, like, you don't have a ring on. You don't have a tan where your Mm. ring line should be. Dan would go, all women do is lie. Just just major issues between, like, you would, there's a... There's a book, sorry, one of the main sources, and I should have said it in the beginning, I'm sorry, but one of the main sources that I gathered a lot of this information from comes from a book called Incident at Big Sky, which is actually written by the sheriff, Johnny France and Malcolm McConnell. And they go like really into detail of like the dialect between the people and um, the events and the manhunt and... Yeah, so if you like this case, I that was a pretty good book. Um, there is another book that's written by Carrie's mother, but um, she, like, really, really hates the sheriff and Ooh. really, like, drags him in that book. Yeah, and so I think it's, like, she, one-sided, like... Yeah, she kind of spends more time from... I didn't read the book, but I read the reviews, and the reviews basically say, like, she spends more time dragging the sheriff than writing the facts. But I mean, yeah. like... When you when I go into the details, I can see why she gets upset because there are some things that are kind of upsetting how he runs it. But in his book, obviously, he tries to make it seem like I'm overworked. I was trying my best. I was just like I I was only sleeping four hours a night. Like yada yada. It's like I, yeah. Like it's just I'm sorry, but back then in that kind of like smaller, it seemed like a smaller town community. You know, rural. Um. What the fuck are you dealing with? Besides, well, he like, like he worked multiple jobs. And... It's it's such a small town that like I guess he didn't. I don't know. He ended up doing something else. Like he would do boats or something. There was something that he did in town that only like him and one other person can do. I really forget. Um, it's in oh. the book if you want to. If you're really interested, but he basically was doing two jobs and he worked all the time and he just always like summers were super busy for him and it was just like he had a lot of things on his plate which i get but if you're gonna be the sheriff then your number one job should be the community (laughs) i don't know i don't know i don't want to bash him but ha ha fucking ha dude yeah like i don't want to bash him because he does do hard work in this case but there are definitely instances where he's human and he makes mistakes. So it, that, right. So don't make up that. excuses for you fucking having a yeah, second job. Yeah, just fucking job, admit to it. You yeah. know, <laughs> it, it's just yeah. It's it's what it's interesting to see, but I could definitely see like in in this book, it really like focuses on fucking Johnny. Like the ending, it doesn't even talk about Carrie. The ending paragraph is like Johnny sitting down and being like job well done i'm like fuck dude you could have at least said something about her at the end i mean it's just just whatever sorry i'm gonna stop talking about it but basically carrie was doing every like a detailed in the book she was doing everything that she could like she was a real fucking smart cookie obviously Mm -hmm. she would try leaving footprints in the mud so there would be a trail for people to follow to find her she would try leaving like articles of clothing but every time that pretty much she would try to do this 
her captors would notice and like either erase the footprint or pick up the clothing and be like, you need to stop doing this shit because if you bring anyone close to us, if you get anyone to come over here, we're going to shoot them the (gasps) first chance we get and we're going to kill them. With your your slingshots? Well, they have rifles. Okay. Yeah, they did have rifles, but I'm just yeah, thinking have, back to the mountain man perspective. I know. They have uh, they have rifles, and then I believe both of them had individual pistols, and then they both also had hunting knives. So they were pretty strapped. Like, even yeah. if their rifle wasn't on them, they would have a pistol on them. So it's... Yeah. They're, I would consider them really dangerous. Yeah, yeah pretty threatening, for sure. Yeah, for sure. And just how they look, like, ugh, ugh, ugh. Yeah, you're like, ugh, ugh. like... You don't even want to like fight with them because you don't want to touch no. them because they probably. I don't seem even so want to touch you. Yeah, <laughs> she would say the smell was disgusting. Like they smelled horrid. I can't. Oh, I can't. Just the bo. No, 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 no. Are you just that matted gray beard. Ugh. So they would walk some miles before they would open into a clearing, and basically from there they would decide, okay, this is where we're going to make camp for the night. They would get a chain and padlock it around her waist to a tree. So she was chained up to a tree from her waist, and she was left there for the night. Upright? Or, like, was she sitting down? So I think she was able to sit down because she wasn't a sleeping bag, but I don't think she was able to, like, fully lay down because obviously she's tied at her waist. So, like, she, she said in the 30 for 30 podcast that she did not sleep that night. She basically, like, looked up at the full moon and just prayed that. Someone was out there looking for her. And, like, for a really long time, full moons, like, she couldn't look at a full moon. Like, for years, it affected her. Like, only, I I think she said, like, in her 50s, um, that's when she accepted the full moon again. Because it just reminded her of that night. That's so awful. She stared at it. such bad experiences associated with the full moon that you can't look at it. Because it's one of the most beautiful things. I know. And that's, like, what helped her... Uh, come back to accepting it is she just realized she was like sitting in the hot tub with her dad and she was just like the full moon is so beautiful I, I'm accepting it again Yeah. Aww. so it was really nice it was a really touching moment to listen to obviously of course while this is going on her family realizes that she's missing and they start gathering resources right away the sheriff Johnny had actually been getting ready to turn down for the night when he gets basically like a slip saying you need to call the office there's an emergency so we have to remember this is in the 80s we don't have cell phones like you only have landlines and it's harder to reach people and in a small town rural areas yeah exactly so it also didn't help that the department he worked for was extremely small like they did not have a lot of manpower behind it right um and like I had said, he had worked multiple jobs and whatnot, so he was stretched fairly thin. So it was way past midnight when he finally makes the call, and I guess to see what's going on. And they say that there has been an ATL put out, which is an attempt to locate. It was put in at 1943, which I don't know, military time, 19 minus 12, 743. Thank you. So... It was put in at 7.43 and it took him until midnight. I just mm. want to say that. He was having his dinner. And yeah, then his by dessert. the... He was, he was drinking. <laughs> by <laughs> the Gallatin County Sheriff's dessert. Office. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so... Um, 
They were able to locate her car, so they found her green Subaru station wagon at the trailhead at Jack Creek, uh, though Carrie was obviously nowhere to be seen. Mm. And once the grizzly sightings started to come into play, like, once the rumors that grizzlies had been in the area were learned, they really started freaking out because they're obviously thinking, like, she probably got attacked by a bear. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh. Which, which is better? Which is worse? I don't know. I really don't know. Would you rather be kidnapped and survived going through horrible shit or get mauled? I don't know. You could also survive the mauling, but that's, oh, gosh, I can't. I can't. I don't want to think about that. (laughs) So around 2158 or like 958, 10 o'clock, They had about a dozen men out searching, so they took trail bikes, they took horses, they took their fucking hiking boots, they went out into the night and they were searching for Carrie. By 2231, so uh, like 1030-ish, they got a call from the assistant fire chief of Big Sky. (laughs) Now, he asked what was going on because he was not informed that there was a search party out looking for a girl that was missing, which, uh, flag number two. Well, okay, so the (laughs) chief, he obviously wasn't a part of the same office. No. The small But, like, no one bothered to call him and say, I don't know. I mean, I get it, you're busy and frantic, but, um. But, like, the more manpower, the better. Yeah, for sure, for sure. You want to get everyone involved. And they did that for a reason. Yeah, who knows? He basically, like, gets himself informed and goes out and helps. Uh, Her dad, Bob, would even find a local pilot that was able to fly him over the forest right before it, like, got really dark. Damn. Yeah. And Carrie's mom, Janet, would be at the house packing first aid aid supplies to hand out. Um, She would be retracing the trail looking for her daughter. And it's so sad because they... They did not know this, but when they were out searching for her, they were not even a mile away from where their daughter was being held captive. So Carrie would say that she could hear the people searching oh for her. God, oh they could hear her. They could hear her saying her name. There was even at one point, like a dirt bike had just like went over them, narrowly avoided them. What the fuck? Yeah. Like, it scared them because they literally thought that someone was coming up and they just look at her and they go, you don't say a fucking word because if you bring anyone over here, they're getting shot, they're getting killed, and it's going to be your fault. Oh, my God. So she just didn't say anything. So were they, like, in a, like, a cave or, like, a den or, like, a man-made kind of shelter to where... It was like a man-made shelter from what I read. This is July, so I don't know if this is the exact setting, but I know like one of their winter camps, they had actually like dug into the ground and made like a pit where you right, could, it was you like insulated. Right, rode over them. I'm thinking like, okay, they're obviously in the ground somewhere. Yeah. Regardless it's just, of what season and it it's was. And it's obviously they, like very mountainous and whatnot, yeah. but they would have like, uh, they had set campsites like around the forest that they knew the location of where they could just like walk to and yeah yeah so it's i uh, like it said it in the book but i was just kind of skimming but um it really made it seem like they had kind of like dig dug a little pit or whatnot but i mean she was um it in this one it was described more like a clearing 
But it's kind of hard to say. Just think of like a forest terrain. I'm thinking she's somewhere on a hill. Um, they're obviously trying to avoid yeah. like the helicopter seeing them, so that they want some kind of cover. Like they made like, their um, own kind of cave or dugout shelter, almost like yeah. in the earth. Because mm-hmm. if if like literal dirt bikes rode over them or past them, it had to have been something like it, that. And it seemed like it was fairly thick. Like, if you're not able to see... Yeah, covered by brush. Not that far to the side. Yeah. yeah. And that's pretty much how it was described. Like, it... it and when it gets dark, I mean, it gets even harder. So, right. it, I mean, it it seems like a simple rescue mission. But when I say a forest, like, it's a fucking forest. So, you have to think, like, searchers themselves can get lost. They can get injured. Right. It's... There are a lot of dangers that come with searches, especially when you do a search at night. Especially and so with it's, the rough terrain you mentioned. Like, if they're on... And the fucking grizzly bears. Horses, and the yeah. bears. Oh, my God. Or just walking. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Yeah, a lot of a lot of shit. I mean, like a dude literally just died by a grizzly bear the last year. So it's not like a random thing that could happen to you. This is like very much when you go in here, you're accepting that you know you're no longer at the top of the totem pole and something can happen. Yeah, but it's basically for this reason that they call off the search around midnight and decide to wait until the next day when they have daylight to continue the search. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously I think this does upset the parents, but it's more so the safety of others. Like I do understand that sense because it, yeah, yeah, it does get really dangerous, not just for the people like that you're searching for, but for the people searching as well. Right. So we move into the next day, July 16th and she, Carrie obviously did not sleep. She stayed up the whole entire night. Uh, staring at that full moon and it in the podcast 30 for 30 janet had even said that like she looked up at the full moon as well and was like praying that carrie could hear them searching for her know that they were searching for her not knowing that like her her daughter yeah her daughter was staring at the same full yeah it's just like so many there were so many little things i'm like that's why it took me so long i, was like, I, I would be down. if my tear ducts induced easily but they don't if i had emotions yeah i would cry too aka <laughs> so um carrie was very adamant that these men were going to rape and kill her and like i i don't uh blame her what's yeah i don't blame her at all that would yeah. be my first thing that came to mind. I think she they would were so even threatening. Obviously, it's like yeah, what do they're you coming think at you with fucking do? weapons. They've already hit you. Like Ugh. you don't know what they're capable of. And it didn't help that Dan, the son, would show her drawings of naked women that he did. Yeah, he'd be like, she oh, look at my drawings. To the tree. He's like, hey, yeah. look at this portrait I did of this random lady across the lake. How I envisioned yeah. her naked. It's, like, so gross. And then she would, like, see them hunting squirrels and shit for, like, their meals. Ugh. Would she at least get fed? Um, Hopefully. I honestly... Probably. Because if they were wanting her to stay and adjust to being, like, a a mountain wife, then they probably, like, took care of her while also being threatening, like, to the max degree, so... Yeah, um, I honestly don't know if she ate any food while she was there because I'm, it's ending fairly quickly. Okay. But oh shit! Oh my god! Yay! Oh. 
Yeah. But it, I know that she had said like Dan had went out hunting for a meal and he came back with nothing, but then he saw a squirrel and like shot it right in front of her. And she was like, oh my God, like what the fuck? But I, I don't think that she ate the squirrel. No. Yeah. Um, but they had even, so she was wearing like bright red shorts and a blue shirt when she had been taken and the men had even said like oh those shorts are too bright you need to take them off Mm -hmm. and at that point she was like oh my god are are y'all about to rape me like please don't uh just let me go whatever and they're like no 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 like we don't want to rape you we just want to make you our woman the natural way by stockholm syndroming you and domesticate you yeah (laughs) it's just like whatever so she describes how she's like um awkwardly taking the shorts off in the sleeping bag so they don't look at her yeah and she hands them the shorts and then they kind of like put it in the charcoal to make it black and they're handing her back the shorts and it's while she's trying to awkwardly put these shorts back on under the sleeping bag that they actually hear rustling coming to the right of them so obviously like fucking terrified they don't know what's about to happen all of them snap their heads to the right and she watches as the two men, Dan and Don, automatically start grabbing their weapons. They start looking out, and they're, like, going to fucking take that shot if they see it. And they see a stocky, suntanned man in a red and black lumberjack shirt appear in the grass. So this would be two searchers, Jim Schwabel and Alan Goldstein, that had stumbled upon the campsite while doing their morning oh my God. overview. Chills again. It's, I don't know, I know how many times it's possible for one to get the heebie-jeebies, goosebumps. This story is literally insane. Them. It it's happened multiple times. This story for me. Thank it's you. Cr- it's crazy. I can't. Obviously, knowing like what's about to happen, Carrie cries out. She's like, "Do not come any closer. Y'all need to stop." These men are dangerous. They have yeah. weapons and they will shoot you. Like, do not come any further. Like, go yeah, away. She, she Leave. doesn't want them to get shot and then exactly. not be rescued. Oh, my God. Exactly. She's, it's just like she's freaking out. She's like, leave. Go away. It's in between her screams that Dan and uh, Don have this conversation when Dan looks at, or sorry, when Don looks at Dan and basically tells her, shut the girl up. You need to shut her up. And Dan turns to Carrie. And as he describes, it was just a menacing technique and he accidentally put his pulled the trigger. But to Carrie, it was calculated, it was cold-hearted, and it was done on purpose when he shot her through the chest. <gasps> no! Oh my god. With his .22 pistol. Ah, so it was the pistol, not the shotgun. Because if it was the shotgun, shotgun. she'd be dead. Yeah. Oh, my God. She described how her right side automatically went numb. (gasps) And the force of the bullet going through her actually pounded her into the back into the tree. Oh, my God. Because she was still chained to the fucking tree. The first hand experience got goosebumps again okay i'm getting Um, goosebumps telling this (laughs) oh my god like that feeling of the bullet going through her Mm -mm. like Mm -mm. 
you don't hear very often where people get to describe what it feels like being shot because often they go into shock so quickly and they don't remember yeah. or whatever. She and, she kept her fucking and, cool. This woman is a she, badass. Oh God, she's a fucking badass. Like she, uh, I'll get into yeah. it. It's it it gets it gets crazier. Holy I can't shit. I can't. The green forest around her suddenly started to appear in shades of gray. Oh no. Oh my god. The ultimate horror came crashing down over her that she was going to die in this forest. Oh fuck. Jim, one of the searchers, immediately rushed over to Carrie's side. And Alan basically decides that he's going to confront these men. And he says, y'all need to stop. We're surrounded. There are at least 200 men around us. There's no way that you're escaping. Y'all put your hands up. Surrender. We don't want a fight do it it would be a bluff and it would ultimately be one that don was willing to bet on so as al would say everything's cool nobody's gonna get hurt we don't want any more gunplay don's response would be to raise his rifle (gasps) sight down the scope and fire as soon as alan's hit head lit up the mark Alan would fall back. Unfortunately, he was not alive when he hit the ground. And seeing this sight, Jim has to make the fucking most tragic, heart-wrenching decision to leave Carrie and run back to get help. Right. Now, Carrie's alone with these two men who just shot and killed someone Basically, and right shot in front her. of her. Jeez. And shot, and she shot in the fucking chest. Ugh. Dan would simply moan, oh, "She's gonna die. Oh, I didn't mean no. to. She's gonna die." Oh, no. Don would say, "Don't worry. She's not gonna die. I've seen shots like that before. It's no big deal." But they would essentially just gather all their shit, and while Carrie laid bleeding out, basically came to the realization that these men were about to leave her. She would make one last desperate plea to them. At least, at the very least, let me have the sleeping bag to keep warm. Oh my god. They would simply raise the foot of the bag and let her broken body flop onto the floor and leave. Really fucking disgusting fact. Before they left, Dan, she hadn't, because she was in the middle of pushing her shorts up, she hadn't, like, when this was all going down, she hadn't completed pushing her shorts up. Dan pulled them up for her. And then he left. I thought you were going to say something way worse. No. But it's like, it's It's the fact that it's something. It's like, why? Why after fucking shooting her and leaving her, you're going to do something so. I shot you, but here, let me give you some details. But I'm going to be nice enough to pull your shorts up before you die here on the forest floor like it is so fucking weird it is the slightest bit of decency you hand somebody while stripping them of every other leave her the fucking sleeping bag what the fuck is wrong with you (laughs) leave her the sleeping bag what the fuck i can't i can't oh it gets it gets worse uh, just chug my mimosa real quick it gets worse it gets worse just wait just wait until the end just wait until the end oh my god i don't know why i picked this story as a light-hearted one Oh yeah, no. It, this I get pissed at the end a little bit. With yep, no. Yeah, we'll we get love into it. Kristen's rants. 
<laughs> I know. I tried to pick this story so I wouldn't have a rant, and then I end up having a rant. It happens. So, while they leave her on the floor, she could hear Al's radio going off. Now, it's so fucking devastating because even though she saw Al get shot, she did not know the severity. She didn't know where he got shot. To her, she thinks that he might still be alive. And Uh she's hoping that, like, Al and them can escape out of here together. Little does she know that he's just not. It's just, it was heartbreaking to read. And to hear his radio going off, you know, and not being able to reach it or. Yeah, because she wanted, she was like, I can, I need to crawl to it. But she was like, I can't, like, her, her, well, uh, before, sorry, before they had left, they did unchain her from the tree yeah okay so she she was unchained at this point but but it it didn't she was shot in the chest so yeah it's like she she said all of her strength was gone she could feel the cold rushing over her she couldn't feel yeah and it was like um thank i i don't they said that they packed everything but i guess a backpack was left behind thank god because she was able to go through it and she found a sleeping bag a canteen of lemonade and a candy bar And she essentially, like, found a sunny spot, and she did her best to wiggle over there. But she said, like, every time she moved, it was excruciating, excruciating pain. Because there was, like, shrapnel in her chest from being... It was just, like... Oh, my God. And she basically, like, laid in the sun and tried to get warm and survive. And it's, like, to hear her just... She would spend her time basically, like trying to focus on her breathing she would practice the best ways to not gurgle as she breathed wow. i'm like this so fucking woman i can't knew how to do that that she's like and she was like i was trying to control my heart like slow it down mentally because she's like to this day can still do that i'm like just i can't this woman if there had to be anyone to be in this situation like she was ready for okay, it so she the techniques of breathing and knowing to uh, avoid or reduce gargling of blood coming from your insides should be taught in survival classes like yes oh for what sure what the fuck because i didn't because, even know you could do that because it would take them four hours to get back to her four hours jim had kind of like an idea of where they were but they oh. didn't have an exact location four hours she had it felt like an eternity to her Oh my god, that is Four like hours. 40 years and For, suffering. In her lifetime. Lifetime. She yes. laid there trying to survive. It is insane the shit that she had to go through just to come out on the other side. It's like, I can't give this girl enough medals in life. Like, she fucking wins. She wins at life. I Wow. Like, there's mentality of this woman. I and I just really oh respect. I respect everything. Chest. Yeah. It had to have been oh. just This the woman right deserves spot. all the respect in the world, yeah. She went through so much. Ultimately, Carrie would be saved. She would spend eight days in the hospital, but I don't know what you would call a full recovery, but she recovered. Right. Al Goldstein would unfortunately not survive the ordeal and would leave behind a loving wife and daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, so... It was actually around his daughter's birthday when Al had passed. Mm. So in the in the podcast, the daughter came on. It's like I I have daddy issues, so this just really gets to me. Oh god. She because um so Al 
was married twice. Um, so the daughter lived with the first wife, her mom. And she had basically been saying, it was my birthday. I was expecting a card from my dad. And I was so upset that he didn't get it. I was just sitting in there so upset. And then the mom called and called her in. She was like, oh, what did I do now? And the mom was like, your dad, unfortunately, just passed away in Montana. And she said that the guilt would only increase when two days later, the card that her dad sent her did show up in the oh mail. Oh my god. Oh I my can't. god, Kristen. I, I have can't. chills I again. Can't. This story just I can't, guys. It's fucking why did I pick this for lighthearted? <sighs> I don't know. So the manhunt is now on for the father and son duo that had seemingly vanished into the thick of the forest. It would become an extremely expensive and lengthy process uh, because of how quickly and well-traveled these men were. Like, um, I know when they had kidnapped Carrie, in their conversation, they had told her that they could walk up to, like, 40 miles in one day. Oh. So... (laughs) <laughs> I, fuck. I'm like you're so it's so like you're one a car. positive they had good cardio i guess Jeez, or good yeah. stamina for real alan goldstein's family would actually hire a professional tracker uh, but two weeks into the search there would be some like clashing between the sheriff and him so there was like one instance where the tracker was like the i found the trail that they're on they're like 20 minutes away or they're like a few miles off we can get them and then the sheriff was like no it's close to nighttime call off the search okay and in the book the sheriff kind of details about how um he thinks that the tracker may have been a con artist because obviously this case was highly uh media it, it was put Publicized. in the media whatever mediaized whatever Publicized. but publicized thank you (laughs) me making up words for your entertainment but uh it was highly it was a really publicized case so they got a lot of calls from like trackers bounty hunters like (laughs) yeah psychic skilled outdoorsmen they're like yes i can help you with the case so he was kind of like weary of the tracker at first but eh, it's just there was tension with that and that's where like more I think shit talking of the sheriff happens, but it, right. it's just interesting. But again, the nighttime and you could have a potential shootout. You don't want people to get hurt. So it's a double edged sword there. Like you want to do it the right way, but how do you know what the right way is? Right. It's just, I don't know. So either way, a 21 member SWAT team would be made and they would search the woods for months and seemingly it would be to no avail. Um, I'm like I'm reading the book and I'm like okay where's the happy ending I know but I was waiting you know of course earlier I was gonna ask you like so wait they got away but obviously I don't ask that yet because they've been on the search for months and like hopefully yeah so they are getting closer so so on October 20th there was actually a string of burglaries that would take place in the Gallatin County area now these burglaries were weird in the sense that only food was taken. Uh, there were, like, really expensive electronics out. There yeah. were weapons out, even, in, like, plain view. And none of that was taken. It was only the food, only, like, the bear skins or, like, the hides to keep you warm. Like, <laughs> only that kind of shit. So they're like, 
hmm, this looks like maybe some mountain men are doing some survival skills the old illegal way. So on October 24th, there's actually an outfitter. I don't know if that's the proper term for it. He, like, uh, takes people to hunt. Yeah. That's, yeah. His name is Tom, Tom Heinz, and he is experiencing a really miserable day out on the mountains because it's, like, blizzarding, apparently, in October, which sucks for y'all in Montana. Oh I am so goodness. sorry about that. How, how high were he, you? <laughs> like, up in the mountains. I so they were following... The clouds, dude. Yeah. <laughs> so they were following elk, which is whatever oh. game they were hunting. Yeah, so I'm like, I'm sure they were up yeah, there. Yeah, I think and he had it's a... like the reindeer types. They might like the mm-hmm. upper elevation. Yeah, the nice snowy Who little knows? I don't know. Clouds. I'm not a, uh, a Animal. hunter guide person. Animal knower. <laughs> Animal knower. <laughs> Animal knower of facts, yes. So, <laughs> on... Oh, no, I already said that. So he had about 12 clients at the time, and they were sleeping in three spike camps, which I have no idea what that is, so I'm sorry I didn't research it. But it was along Camp Placer and Cherry Creeks. Uh, Now, a little bit about Tom. He is a fifth-generation Montana native, and he was actually raised on an Indian reservation nearby. Hell yeah, Tom. So, hell yeah. Super familiar with the area. I'm so sorry. If you hear banging, that is my child having a meltdown. <laughs> He's banging on some cabinets meltdowns. right now. And I just, yeah, <laughs> I, I have a feeling that the audio is really going to pick that up. So I apologize. Um, so at 2.30 p.m., he is with two other clients in the fucking forest. <laughs> He's hunting. He's out hunting, trying to find these elk. And... They're getting, like, the first little bit of sun for the day. and Like, the first time that they're seeing that little sparkle, sparkle, twinkle, twinkle. twinkle. Mm-hmm. And he says in this moment he actually gets some goosey bumpies up his <gasps> backbone. Ooh. And he compares it to the special effects in a Steven Spielberg movie. <laughs> and <Sorry>. then... The, <laughs> I know. And, and then I'm like, ha <laughs> you know that <laughs> but then he automatically thinks oh sundog and sundog is essentially as he describes like the spirit that powers the mountains in his culture i know the audio picked that up it so adds sorry. to the creepiness it's cool who doesn't love a child screaming so uh following he feels this and he goes oh it's the it's the presence of the mountains it's the power of the mountains trying to tell me something so he's kind of like all right i'll go i'll go with this feeling without telling the two guys that he's with he kind of just like leads them off his designated path and just is kind of like feeling his way through and he notices a clearing and in that clearing he knows he notices two men that uh kind of look like they're out of place you know they They kind of look sh- like shit. <laughs> they're they're a little dirty. <laughs> they're a little, a little matted. Uh, a little matted. <laughs> like maybe have those. What's it from Charlie Brown? <laughs> the little dust clouds popping up. Oh, the yeah. guy who wears the blanket. <laughs> it's like uh, just not a good look. So he's like, uh, yeah, um, they look bad. And then he takes a closer look and he's like, oh my god, I think that's Dan and Tom Nichols. So. I don't know what shot of alcohol that Tom took. Probably absinthe because he was fucking hallucinating and got some major balls and was like, I'm going to... He's like, there's a, there's two dangerous men. I'm going to go talk to him. Oh, I'm going to go okay. touch it. <laughs> so he go decides, yeah. It. 
I'm gonna go touch it. So he's like, yeah, let's uh, let's go start having a conversation with them. Oh, so God. he he goes up to them and he's basically like, I know who you guys are. Like, don't worry, I'm not armed. I'm not like whatever. And he just be- <laughs> this interaction is really weird, and I really don't know how to feel about it. So he mm. basically like conversates with them and is asking just acting kind of chill and is like oh i'm not gonna tattle on you it's just like what are y'all doing here whatnot and tom had even made a joke that there was a woman at one of the campsites who was like a chef um because he worked with a group of people it wasn't just him running this operation yeah so he had warned them like oh i have a woman on my camp but she has a gun and like she's not afraid to use it she's gonna shoot first ask questions later And Don would just be like, oh, don't worry. Like, we're not looking for women anymore. And then, like, all of them would laugh. (laughs) What the fuck? Why are you laughing with them? I guess you don't want to get shot. I don't know if all of them would, like, I don't know if that meant the, I think that meant just, like, Don and his people would laugh. No, it made it seem like all of them would laugh. Oh, God. Ew. Yeah. But, I mean, like, if a killer was making jokes, I would probably laugh, too. Yeah, it's like, you know, they make their joke and they laugh at their own joke. So so you laugh because you don't want to offend them for seeming like Mm -hmm. it's not funny. So you're like, ha, 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 but yeah it's like so they just had this really fucking weird chill ass conversation and he was like okay guys see you later like have a good walk don't get charlie horses and as tom was leaving he would hear don say danny what are you doing get back up here and when he turned around he saw Dan holding a rifle right up to him. <gasps> Internally screaming, why would you do, why would you go talk to them? What were you drinking? What were you thinking? Like, I get it, but just don't ever, if you're listening to this, don't ever do what Tom did. Like, just go and call the cops. Like, seriously. That was very, very not smart like, of Tom. Like, literally somehow mark your location and then yeah. you'll get help. Yeah. So that you like, know if where you're, to go. If you're, if you're me, you're kind of screwed because you don't know where you are, but, like, you'll figure something out. Just Kristen fucking would be call the- screwed. I would call the cops and I'd say, here, I'm going to leave my phone on the ground. You just ping it. <laughs> I don't know. Kristen I don't doesn't know. know left from right. I know left because I'm left-handed. But anything other than that, I don't know. What's right? I don't know. So Tom did do at least one thing right. And he would tell Johnny, like, hey, I talked to Don and Dan. But... um it would like be too late at this point because they had time clearly to like walk away and i kind of figured i think yeah like i think that they figured he may go and do that so um yeah like they nothing came of it really so it wouldn't be until december 13th of 1984 when uh ranch owner ronald moore realized that hey someone's on my land so he would describe how he saw like a little puff of smoke and it was basically like someone starting a fire and that uh, it's not common during that time right? to start a fire or whatever. And it's like on his land. So he's yeah, like, I so don't think that these are kind of permission. It'd be like, that's sketchy, you know? 
Yeah. He, like, kind of thought, oh, maybe these could be coyote hunters. Like, he's not trying to think the worst. You know, like, we're humans. We try yeah, to de-escalate the situation. You excuses that make sense until you yeah. think the worst. Unless you're yeah. me and you think of the then worst you just automatically <laughs> fucking scenarios ever possible right off the... <laughs> okay. <laughs> and sip. But... Um, yeah, so he, like, noticed, and he was on a horse, so he would kind of get closer to try and, like, see what's going on. He's like, mm, I don't know, let me check it out. But he didn't have a rifle or, like, any kind of weapon on him, and he wasn't ready to handle, like, what possible situation he was thinking that he was going to get into, because the closer he was getting, the more he was kind of, like, psyching himself out of, like, I don't think that these are just, like, random hunters. I'm not seeing a vehicle anywhere. Like, I think that this may be Don and Dan. Um, so at that, yeah, it's like, what the fuck? Y'all could see my face right now. I'm rolling my (laughs) eyes and my chin is like dropped with my tongue out. (laughs) (laughs) Just the, what's up? (laughs) It has to be. Hello. But yeah. So like, obviously when he like starts to realize this for himself, he turns around and he does the thing that you should do. He goes around, he calls the cops. Thank you. Now, I wish the cops would have done their job a little bit more time efficiently, but it it gets done. It gets done, so whatever, but... So, he first calls at 11.25 a.m. He doesn't get a call, or no, he doesn't get a call back. Um, He says, like, hey, I think Don and Dan are uh, on my land. Maybe I think someone... Or he was like, hey, I think something's going on. Can someone check it out? Can you have the sheriff call me? And they were like, yeah, sure, no problem. He isn't in yet. He'll be in in a little bit. We'll call you back. 12.26 p.m. Mm -hmm. No call back. So he's like, okay, I'm going to get the phone and I'm going to call. Because he, he like, got a little closer and he was, like, scoping it out while he had a fucking hour to whack off and do nothing. He was like, I'm going to go scope this out a little bit more. And he's like, no, this is for sure Don and Dan. So he calls back 12.26. Hey, you really need to get the sheriff down here. I, You know those guys that we've been looking for, Don and Dan? Yeah, yeah, they're on my land, right? I can see. I yeah. can see where they are. I can see the pillar. You know, we we, we want to get them, right? Right. We want to arrest them, right? I, I'm, knock, knock. Can someone come? Can someone come down here? Ding dong. But no one's there. And the one that was there went out to lunch. Oh, my. Even though an hour had passed. So, um... Yeah, finally one thirty-seven p.m. and another hour. Um, Sheriff Johnny, I don't know how I feel about you, Johnny. You're okay, kind of. You, you, Johnny, I have some questions. Maybe find, <laughs> maybe hire a person in the '80s to run around town to bring these notes to people that are important. Like I don't, we just, God, what did we do before cell phones? It's fucking ridiculous. Invent a cell phone, Johnny, so you could figure this out in a more time-efficient manner. Please, that's all I'm asking of you. <laughs> but it would take some time since Johnny got the call at 137. It would take him a few more hours, but eventually I didn't read into the details because I was uh, crunched for time on this because it's like the day of. <laughs> but he essentially goes on foot, goes to their campsite, and confronts the men. So there is this like when he he basically says like hey what are you doing i know who you are like what the fuck there's this really intense standoff they're like pointing weapons at each other um but eventually they like don and dan see the helicopter that's over and they kind of come to the realization like oh shit i think this time we actually are kind of like surrounded (laughs) yeah so 
they decide like no gunfire no thankfully it was not a big blowout or anything like that it was really tense but they say okay you know what it's fine we'll uh, surrender no trouble easily gone the other way johnny could have easily died like yeah i and that's why i don't want to talk too much shit about him because he he did do something like he, he did do shit yeah but. i think he tried to do the right thing yeah completely. he definitely did it's just like you're a human and you're bound to like you're not going to make well, everyone happy like something like that you don't want to approach in person right away without the authorities because no. you never know and never know ugh. and it's it's it, sad it because like high risk of turning out ugly so yeah he i mean like he really cared about the men and i think after seeing alan pass away because alan was a friend and like he was a friend of carrie's too oh man i forgot to say oh. like when carrie had moved to montana alan owned like a horse ranch i believe and carrie and alan bonded over like carrie would go over while alan took care of the horses and they would talk mm. and she was like alan was a really really good friend to carrie i'm so sorry that i did not mention that mm. i completely i read it i meant to write it down and i just for whatever reason didn't but it yeah it was just <laughs> sorry it's okay i also don't know where i was going with that but <laughs> um but yeah, so Johnny really like went out on a limb there and like did all that he could and ultimately got the guys. Did he do it in a way that made everyone happy? No, but uh, he did it in care. a way that no one else got hurt. So you can appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, I don't least. care. He did it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, because after the death of Alan, I think uh, it it really affected him. Like um, obviously seeing his friend and right. seeing the dead body he and he would describe like how seeing one of the SWAT team members looked like his son and he just really wanted to make sure that no one else got hurt and that was I think one of the reasons why he didn't want to do the night searches he didn't want to push to have this big epic gun battle he just really wanted to get it done in the least harmful way possible right. so I, I'll give him that much the trial and aftermath of this whole case is um pretty disturbing to say the least oh god so <laughs> like media i don't like you ever i don't think i've ever had one good thing to say about you but they just did it so so uh, they really glamorized the kidnapping and made it seem like a, something out of a fucking deranged nicholas sparks book they were like oh this beautiful woman with long auburn hair went out on a run and these two oh, like grisly wild men like so buff and hair on the chest and just like like oh, subsequently and, tied her down and yeah and like they, they just her among their land they wanted her to be her woman but not in a forceful way in a nice stockholmy way over time like they didn't want to rape her they didn't want to do like oh i'm like these are scraggly, dirty motherfuckers. They fucking, they're not even, I don't even call them mountain men because they fucking stole. Mountain men live off grid. They live off the land. They're fucking chopping wood with their shirts off and have a six pack like they're, they're not, I'm sorry. But it's, it's just like they don't fucking steal other people's items. Like they actually they fucking yeah, live off the land. A high risk of making yourself known and get caught. For I'm just like what the so and, and yeah, it's just you like you're not that. you're not being a fucking good person like I just whatever <laughs> mm. um like 
also, whenever Dawn and Dan wanted to say anything to the media, the media would run, run to them well, and record yeah, every single word. They're fucking thirsty for blood. They love. Yeah. Ugh. It's so disgusting. Like they one of the media outlets even a- approached Carrie and was like, hey, do you mind if we do a photo shoot with you in like a rustic cabin to like match the theme of you getting kidnapped what by the these fucking fuck? mountain men? I'm like, what the fuck is actually what? wrong with you? I can't. I can't with these people. No. It, it, you just don't. They made it even worse by, like, they fucking did Alan dirty, too. So they, Alan, who is a fucking hero, he is, they basically called him a James Bond city slicker and said that he essentially had no business being in the mountains in the first place. Which I'm like, he is the fucking reason that Carrie's, like, alive. I'm sorry. He's the hero. He went and risked his life to try and save his friend. Like, Wasn't fuck you for saying anything party? else. He was part of the search party. So yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. So what the fuck are you talking about? Like, <laughs> I just want to know. I just want to know who said that. I want to know their address and I want to know where they live so I can leave a pile of burning dog shit on their porch. I don't believe in cancel culture, but they can be canceled. Okay. Just, just a little bit of terror and torture in their lives. I'm just like, what the fuck? Oh, and here, here, here. Oh, God. Here's where I get real. Oh, no. Oh, no. It's the pissed off trifecta of this fucking case. So, Dan would receive 20 years and six months for the kidnapping and assault of Carrie Swenson. Mm -hmm. I don't know when the sentencing happened, she was kidnapped in 84. They were caught in December. I'm sure he was probably sent sometime in 85. He was released from prison in 1991. 1991. Okay, hold on. I'm trying to, like, swallow down, I think, my upcoming, um, I don't know if it's acid reflex or if it's barf. <laughs> or if it's just pure disgust for this world that we it's live in. Because I'm, I'm sorry... I'm sorry. This is in mm, mm, in an interview with the media who fucking romanticized him. Of course, media, you are completely Ew. guilty. He said, I thought that's what Carrie was, a girl who just wanted to live in the mountains. And when the media would basically say like, oh, they just see it as like this crazy notion that you're taking this woman. And he's like. Do you really think that this is crazy to restrain a girl? How dare you? Long pause for dramatic fucking... To restrain a girl, is that crazy? I'm... uh, Yeah, if we were like a thousand years into the fucking... Even fucking then, like, oh my god. And it was never right. It was never right. Like, what the fuck what the fuck why did we let this man out i'm just i just want to know the parole board i just want to know their addresses and i just want to know where they live so i can put a steaming hot pile of burning dog shit on their fucking doorstep what the fuck what the fuck of course of course he has had run-ins with the law ever since i don't think it's anything like egregious but i mean like what the fuck he should be in jail for the rest of his fucking life like There, there's some weird Montana law. I didn't put it in here, but there's some weird Montana law that if you, it's a kidnapping case and a homicide happens, even though you didn't kill that person, you could still be held responsible and like be charged with murder for 
whoever was killed in that kidnapping attempt. But for whatever reason, they like didn't want to charge Dan with uh, Alan's murder. Okay, even though he clearly fucking murdered him. Yeah. You literally uh, shot him, so. <laughs> well, Don was the one that shot him, the dad. Oh, well. And Dan's still, the son. still, either way. But still. Like, either one of but them the law, could have been But the law charged. in Montana at the yeah, the law in Montana at the time, like, they could both be charged with murder because just the fact that it was a kidnapping case makes it acceptable. Yeah, and they were co- like if, they were both They were accomplices, parts, yeah. So... Yeah. Ugh. I... Okay, so I really, Don? So, Don would receive an 85-year sentence for the murder of Alan Goldstein and the kidnapping and assault of Carrie. So after serving 32 years into his 85-year sentence, I don't know why we make these sentences so fucking long if we let them... um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He was released on parole in April of 2017 at the age of 86. No! Let him die in prison! (laughs) I can't! I can't! I'm trying not to go into a rant. I get that he looks like an old fucking prinkled Rooney raisin, but like, fuck you, let you rot in jail. I hope you fucking die. Die in jail, please. Please. What the fuck? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was really ugly of me, but I just can't with these sentencings. What the fuck is wrong with America? What the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck? 91. 20 years he didn't even spend half of it in jail. Don't, like, what the fuck? He, and you're so old anyways. Just let him die in prison. He would, he, like, of Dan, Dan would say, like, oh, I shot Carrie on accident, whatever. It's like, no. Carrie would say, like, he looked me dead in the eye and he knew what he was doing. It's just like, how could you let a man like that? Because she survived, you're going to let a man like that fucking walk because she lived? Fuck you and whoever made that fucking law. Fuck that. That's it's, ridiculous. It's kind of rare where you accidentally shoot someone in the chest. And in the live. fucking chest and they just happen to survive. Like, that should be, it's, like... It's pretty rare. Ugh, <laughs> if you shoot someone in the chest, like, it doesn't even fucking matter. Just get him for murder because that's a murder shot. That's a kill shot. Like, it's you don't shoot someone in the chest and expect them to live. Shooter. I'm... Uh, I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll raise the volume down a little bit, but <laughs> I'm sorry. It, it's just the fire in me is burning and it's not going to help because next week it's even bigger. It's just like, fuck, I can't believe that I read cases like this. But I mean, here we are. Here we are. This is what we like, right? I don't know why, but we... I want to burn the government down sometimes. Anyways, sorry. <laughs> please don't. Sorry, no, government. No, please don't. mean that. It's, we're please fine. don't. Please don't. The helicopters don't we need to be over my house. Americans I was joking. The USA. <laughs> I, I love... USA, US of A, yes. So, <laughs> so the board members would note Don's clean record while he was in jail, and that he completed a lot of educational programs, which included anger management and life skills. Round of fucking applause, whoopty fucking do for you, Don. All while ignoring Carrie's statements. <laughs> That she gave during the parole hearings. To which one of her statements being, I endured being grabbed by both wrists, hit in the face, thrown to the ground, chained to Dan, threatened with knives and guns, marched through the woods, secured like an animal 
to trees and spent a terrifying night chained next to Dan. And she would go on to continue how she needed years of counseling and still to this day suffers from her ordeal. Oh my God. And they fucking let him go. I. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. So they're both out. Both out and about. I don't know if he's dead. Fuck. Yeah. Like I'm. mm. I'm sorry. I'm speechless. Like I wish I could rant like you right now. I wish I had better words to say. Where I'm just like, okay, where, where's, where's the justice? Where's the fucking justice for this family? I just want to know. I'm just curious because I don't see it here. I don't. I don't. So a little bit about the victims because I want to try and end on a positive note. So Alan Goldstein was 34 at the time of his death, and he had only moved to Montana just a year before discovering the majestic region, and it was said that he had fallen in love with cross-country ski during his vacation, and that was like one of the things that him and Carrie had also bonded over. Mm. He was a fearless and brave man who did what was right in going to search for his friend and member of the community and should be recognized as a hero anytime his name is spoken. Oh, yeah. As his daughter loved to joke, he was loved by two wives and a daughter who loved him so much. Like, so the love was very clear in that podcast. Like, she loved her dad and had nothing but the utmost respect for him. His daughter would say that he was a hero. He was the kind of guy that would stand up and do anything for anyone. He did the best thing and he did the right thing. He just didn't come out on the winning side of it. But I'm glad that she did. I like, you know, I'm at the point where I, I, I like, again, I, wish I just I can't cry. get enough chills. I cry. <laughs> no, I don't have chills. I just feel like I want to cry. Like I feel the emotion where like I want to, but yeah. it's not happening. Like I almost, it's where like I get a frog in my throat, but I don't cry. So it almost hurts. Yeah. <laughs> It's a heart. It's a heartbreaking tale, honestly. Sorry, guys. I don't know why I called this lighthearted. But... So Carrie Swenson is a strong, resilient woman. And above all, she is a survivor. She channeled her energy afterwards into her passion of sports. So she actually continued to compete after being shot in the fucking chest. Oh, fuck yeah. So dude. in February of 1986, she raced at the home in Columns. Home and Collins Ski Festival in Onslow. And though she was kind of doubtful that she would place, you know, it was really her first competition back, she ended up getting fourth overall. Wow. And though a lot of people would see this as like, oh my God, she like is making her a huge comeback, um, in total or in reality, the accident had robbed her of the edge that she needed to compete. And she decided that that would actually be her last game and that she would retire after that. So she still speaks of the shrapnel that still pops up in her yearly mammograms. And she talks about the pain that she feels every time she exerts herself, which with the athlete mentality, she says is a lot. Yeah. And she's just now trying to cope with everything like she still feels fear if someone playfully grabs her wrist um, but she's trying to cope with it she says therapy um, working out all the stuff really helps she is now a vet in Colorado 
and though she still deals with fear from her ordeal, she would like to one day help other victims of violent crimes when she's ready. She spends her winters skiing and her summers hiking and spending time outdoors with her girlfriends and even picked up ballroom dancing in her free time. Mm -hmm. And of her experience, she says, how I handle it anymore is like it didn't happen to me. It happened to somebody else. Yeah, because she's grown. Mm. Yeah. And that is the crazy whirlwind survival story of <sighs> Carrie Swenson and the tragic murder of Alan Goldstein. Oh my god. Obviously you mentioned it was a survival story from the beginning beginning. <laughs> <laughs> but when you started talking about how Carrie got shot in the chest, I was just like how You like, just don't think that she's gonna like survive. How, like yeah. who is the survivor? How? Like, oh my god. I I always get so amazed like when people get shot in the head and they survive and it's what? like how, but it's like they're you, you they're telling you the story so you know that they're alive. Yeah. But you just hear it and you're like, how the fuck did you survive that? It's so insane. Yeah. Like hearing her or actually talk about it. I'm just like, I know, I know that this is you saying it, but how are you here? It's insane. The strength, the determination. Mm -hmm. It's it's admirable for sure. Because I have like, (laughs) on a scale from zero to 100%, I'm at like very low. So uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm at negative five. <laughs> it really, really, it, it blows my mind how how strong Carrie was and the whole story in general. Oh my God, Kristen, thank you. Because I don't think I've yeah. heard this one. It was a woozy. I, I'm so upset with myself that I forgot about this case. And then I saw it on Reddit and I was like, oh my God, I'm actually like having heart palpitations over this case that I'm trying to do why don't I do this one instead but I mean it's fucking just as crazy even though it's a survival story it does not it does not give you any less than a fucking like tragic tragic story would it's just insane the yeah the, the like trials that she went through that Alan went through that the whole community went through I mean it was very disturbing to read about but I'm glad that everyone somewhat was able to come out on the other side it's thankfully no more lives were lost but it's was a truly just insane story to read about and I just had to share it (laughs) hope you guys enjoyed it it was definitely like I read a book for the first time in fucking like over two years so (laughs) hope I hope I did it okay but yeah man shit Now I got to edit this and post. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, okay. No, thank you. I I just feel like, like I said, I got goosebumps um, over 10 times during that. So I'm still kind of processing and. Yeah. I was getting goosebumps telling it. It's just like, I couldn't imagine being in that position. It's you hear about it and like camp horror stories and you don't ever think that that would actually happen and to hear that it actually happens i like never want to go running on a trail ever again right even though you will even though i will and carrie (laughs) still does so if carrie can do it then hell i can get over it and i can do it but she it's so insane the power and the strength that it takes for her and the determination to continue to live her life the way that she does i mean like utmost respect to you carrie you're really killing it out there so yes thank thank you you for surviving and showing others that it's possible yes thank you carrie for 
for your story, for your inspiration, and it it really just yeah, speechless, ma'am. dot com. <laughs> well, speaking of dot coms, be sure to follow us on our socials. At, oh, nope, that's your line. Twitter, uh, fuck. Twitter. <laughs> oh my god. Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, and wherever YouTube. you listen to this podcast. Yes, and YouTube. Oh my yes. Gosh. <laughs> Speaking of which, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, talk, TikTok. <laughs> TikTok. Is anyone YouTube. still here? Is, is anyone still listening? Hello. Hello. Well, you have made it to the end of this podcast. <laughs> so cheers to you accomplishing that. Because, wow, you got a reward for hearing but that. But I didn't even seconds. say at AR. <laughs> oh, yeah, say it. It's okay. No, we're still going. At RARW Podcast. <laughs> yeah. And cheers. Cheers to, to stuff. Oh, cheers. <laughs> Here's to a fucking, um, okay, Woozy doozy. to women being brilliant and smart and persistent and dedicated and uh, piggybacking off of the first one I mentioned, smart, like, mm-hmm. if All you're doing things alone know your know how to be aware know how to leave tracks um uh, tell friends where you're going yes like just cheers to us women learning how to literally defend ourselves and be aware of our surroundings because um whether it's the 80s or the 2020s baby it's fucking crazy out there and nowadays it takes even less for you to be aware and to mm-hmm. be easily, easily distracted. Ugh. So cheers to us doing the best that we can. Cheers, baby. Well, until next time, guys, stay safe. You cheers. I did cheers oh. at the cheers to whatever. Fine. Cheers to me already cheersing and Sarah forgetting because she's terrible fucking friend just kidding (laughs) (gasps) okay next time guys it's bye it's gonna be a doozy it's gonna be woozy